Hi, my name is Aisha Small. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Youth and Education podcast, where I interview interesting guests to explore developments in education, research and policy that affect young people, primarily in the UK. This podcast is brought to you by the Youth Think and Action Tank, LKM Co. Hello and welcome to episode 21 of the Youth and Education podcast brought to you by LKM Co. In this episode, I talked to Natasha Porter, who's the CEO of Unlot Grads. We're also joined by her colleague, Sarah, and uh, my colleague, Anna Trefui, who has appeared on the podcast before with Sam uh, and also with myself. In this episode, we discuss um, the Unlot Grad scheme, which aims to get top graduates into prisons as prison officers and to help make prisons more effective. It's a two-year commitment and training scheme. We discuss uh, Natasha's journey from her life as a teacher uh, to setting up her own school in London and then she went to the Department for Education in terms of working in policy. From there she went to prison education and she eventually found herself uh, setting up a new charity called Unlot Grads. We also discussed the lack of political will um, around improving prisons and conditions for prisoners and why that is. Another thing that we discuss is why business leaders, why um, Natasha feels that business leaders should hire former prisoners. Thank you very much for listening. LKM co-believe society should ensure all children and young people receive the support they need to make a fulfilling transition to adulthood. Find us at lkmco.org. Can we listen to it now? Okay, so we're sitting here in a room, <laughs> in an office, <laughs> in a place, <laughs> in our capital city for the Youth and Education podcast. I'm here with Natasha Porter, also joined by Sarah, what's your surname? Sarah Pearson. Sarah Pearson, um, and uh, I'm Aisha, as always, and I've got Anna here today as well, so it's a proper semi-roundtable thing going on. <laughs> Natasha, um, I was really excited to come along and hear what you're doing on Autograds. Can you explain what it is, um, kind of say in a, in a minute? Um, So we are getting top graduates to come and work as prison officers to dedicate two years to trying to reduce reoffending and solve one of the most difficult problems in our society, which is making our prisons more effective. And tell me, as we were talking earlier, I remember you mentioned the word unlocked a lot. And I thought, (laughs) ah, that's where the name comes from. So can you explain kind of why is it unlocked grads, please? There's like... There's, there's a long and a short answer, so I'll oh, keep it as brief as I can. Um, so we were we were thinking about names. It was originally Unlock Ed with like a capital E for education. Um, so Unlock Education, but it, we just realised it was weird and no one really understood yeah, it. So, yeah, and it sounded a bit weird. So, um, so we then went to Unlocked. But there's a really awesome charity um, called Unlock and we wanted to be distinct from them because they do brilliant work and they're very well known. Um, so we, um, we also wanted to make it clear that we were about attracting graduates. So we became Unlocked graduates. Um, we wanted it to, I think it's such a kind of leap to set up an elite graduate programme for prison officers. It's been done for teachers um, initially, which is already a graduate profession. It was then done for social workers, already a graduate profession. Um, police now did it for the first time in a non-graduate profession, but actually 
um, graduates have always become police officers, so it wasn't like a bizarre and mad leap. And they've always had their fast track screening, which was deliberately for graduates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, so this would be the first time that the prison service would be represented um, on on campus through the kind of milk round. So we wanted it to be clear that it was for graduates. So we didn't freak out graduates too much. <laughs> so your background is in schools. Okay? Yeah. Um, and I know that you uh, came into teaching via Teach First scheme, so kind of two-year programme, etc. And then you um, went on to, uh, to found, be a co-founder of the school. So can you tell me or tell us a little bit about um, kind of that journey and also how it links to what you're doing now? Yeah. Um, so I joined Teach First very much thinking it would be a two-year thing. Um, I was in one of the early cohorts where they didn't kind of mess about this, you might stay in the profession rubbish. It was like, it's going to be two years. I'd seen Dangerous Minds not long before I joined and I thought I might be a bit like Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, and it was going to be, they don't laugh, it was so plausible, right? And, you know, so like I was going to save some kids for a couple of years and I was going to get a proper job. And Yeah, exactly. And it was going to be like this... Um, amazing, you know, fun start to to my career before I kind of, you know, did what I was actually going to do, which would be something glamorous and very well paid. Um, and I think like a bunch of people, I just got massively, um, I just got hooked on teaching and hooked on working with teenagers. I loved working with teenagers. I just found the vibrancy and the energy. And um, I think just being a teacher is such a privilege. Um, but especially working with kids at that point of adolescence, I think is one of the greatest privileges you can have. I think watching someone change from child to adult and being able to kind of guide them through that journey is an extraordinary privilege. Um, so love teaching. And then I did these like, so Teach First, I don't know if they still do it, but you do like secondments at other companies in the holiday. Yeah, I, and, I don't know if they still do yeah. Yeah, but it was like the worst two weeks of my life. I think actually I only managed, I managed two days maybe. I think on the third day I called up sick and didn't go back, but I've just never been so bored. So so got hooked, stayed in teaching, um, started King Solomon Academy, which was very much a kind of um, every single child will be successful school um, and really believed that education um, education is like an extraordinary kind of gift to end childhood with. If you have great kind of educational attainment, it changes your, it, it means you've got more options as an adult. And that feels like a great kind of opportunity. Um, so so got involved in KSA. We, we did really well. We managed to um, close the gap with the kids we worked with. And we didn't do it by expelling them. We did it by genuinely improving their academic outcomes. Glad to hear that. Um, and, uh, and so when we, when we got our first GCSE results, I went into policy thinking like that's the way that you make this work across all schools um, and I just missed it was too far from the front line to me you know the the impact was too tenuous it wasn't kind of immediate enough I couldn't see it so um, when I got involved in prison education I found I was like I was doing four days a week at the DfE as an advisor one day a week on prison education and I was like sneaking the prison work into my other work you know I loved it it was like on my lunch breaks and secretly be working on it a bit and I just realised it was really what I wanted to do. Um, and I think I knew the Teach First model had been so powerful for schools. You know, and, um, I'd, I'd seen the impact of it. I'd seen the kind of the advocacy across society and how much it had impacted schools. And I just thought, like, prisons deserve that. Prisons deserve to have... Um, prisons deserve to have the absolute best graduates in the country desperately applying for a job on the front lines. 
like prisons deserve people in positions of society in society positions of power advocating for them who've spent time in prisons and and really believe that they are an important part of our society you were mentioning about um you know in our in our talk before um kind of the lack of political will to really change things in prisons um mm. Can you talk a little bit about, about that because why prisons are such a hard sell? I mean, you know, in terms of schools, people are happy to give money to schools, people are happy for teachers to be paid more because everyone's kid goes to school. Yeah. Whether it's state or not. But prisons, you're going to have a variety of views about this soon. Yeah, so if you look at who makes up our prison population, it's not a cross section of society. Um, it's not a kind of equal representation of different groups in our society. It is predominantly people who've lacked opportunity. Um, and the opportunity they've lacked is kind of. Um, family support often, so 24% of prisoners grew up in the care system, um, that's higher in the youth estate. But also if you look at the, um, if you're a young boy who has a family member go to prison, your chance of going to prison is massively increased. Um, and, and also if you look at the educational outcomes of those in prison, you know, over 50% have primary school levels of English and math. So these are people who've lacked educational opportunities and you've got huge issues with mental health challenges in, in prison service. So generally, people who end up in prison um, are, are those who've, who've lacked opportunity. Um, and I also think there's something about the... Um, then, then about, like, who cares about those people. And I think once they've committed a crime, they lose a lot of, a lot of public interest or in kind of looking after them. If you look at the people in positions of power in our country, they haven't grown up on a state seeing people around them go into the prisons, you know, go into prison and... Um, be locked up and they don't have children who are particularly likely to go to prison they don't have friends who've gone to prison they just have no understanding about prison and who's in there um, their they understanding do, is different types of crime <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah exactly you get the odd MP but even the MPs who go to prison to be fair you know they're in a nice open prison and not very long they're not sat in your kind of local cat bees for a really long period of time so so actually, it's like, how do we get political will behind the prison service? And so in your view, you know, we spoke a little bit about how you'd like, you know, your vision for Unlocked is that you have um, young people, I'm saying young, recent graduates <laughs> coming in and getting an understanding of what prison is about and then later going on to advocate for these people who people don't advocate for. Um, how do you see that happening? Is it a policy level thing or uh, how does that look? Yeah, I think it's at every level and, and not all of our participants are young, interestingly. Yeah, sorry, so, I, um, I mean, we do, actually the majority are um, recent graduates, so we do have more recent graduates than the other graduate programmes. Um, but we do get some career changes later on. I think we want people in, we need people in policy. So we need people in government writing policy who've been on the front line in prisons and understand how they work. Um, rather than kind of career policy writers. We, we need MPs. I'd really like a Secretary of State for Justice at some point, or Prisons Minister who's been a prison officer with us for a couple of years. I think that would be a good thing. Um, but what we're really excited about is people leading businesses, recruiting people who've been to prison. Not, you know, you wouldn't recruit someone who's been to prison for frauds in charge of your finance. But, you know, actually, if someone's been in prison for, you know, drink driving you might put them in charge of your finances. It's about making intelligent decisions, hiring decisions, rather than just having these blanket bans. Are you familiar with Timpsons? Yeah. Yeah, they've got a really innovative model. They, kind of they're thing. brilliant mm. with, their, um, with their recruitment of ex-prisoners. Again, he grew up in a home where, where they were adopting children, where you know, he has an interest in kind of social areas of social change where, where lots of people in his kind of privileged position don't have sight of that and don't have 
interesting. I think the other thing is like when people find out about prisons, just like with schools, I think you get hooked. I think the chance to work with people where you can make a real difference to their lives, where you can really impact society and make it a better place, I think is really powerful. Um, I think we're, we're working in children's prisons next year. Yeah, you know, yeah. I think the chance to... We'll be working with children from the age of 12 who are locked up in prison. And I think if you can help a 12 or 13-year-old change the way that they react to conflict often or react to challenge in a way that doesn't lead to them ending up in prison... Um, the impact you can have on, on not only that child but the whole of society I think is immense so um, yeah so I think you know working for the prison service is a really amazing opportunity to change the world and, and make it better. It's interesting because before we came I initially was thinking you know what's the link between schools and prisons but actually having spent an hour talking to you I can totally see why having worked in the kind of schools that we're both used to yeah. would be attracted to prisons and then ultimately the youth yeah. estate I can totally see why that is um, so I want to be respectful of your time Anna have you got anything that you'd like to kind of put to Natasha or Sarah um, you talked a little bit about the kind of impact of impact on families like mm. I'm interested to see where are there examples of stuff where they're trying to mitigate the impact of, like a parent of incarceration has on kids so um, one of the ones, there's this prison called Park Prison, which is just near Swansea in Wales, which um, has this, this programme in it um, around... So, so it's a men's prison. Uh, it's, in, um, it's near Swansea. It's, it looks after men who are... Um, you know, I think there's a lot of deprivation in that area. It's, it's a challenging area, and the prison is extraordinary. It has this, this wing which you can go on to to become a better father, and all of your work, all of your life's about becoming a better father. So some of the things they have there are kind of groups about what makes a good father and how you can be a better father. And they work through their issues. And the thing is, it gives them someone to change for. It gives them someone to not reoffend for. Um, and they do something which I just think is awesome, which is that they have parents' evening with... Um, so the, the, their kids come into the prison with the teacher to have parents' evening with them and their kid and the teacher. And what that does is invest them in their kids' education, shows their kid that they are invested in it, which makes it important. I think that's, like, amazing. And um, I'd love schools to do that. The problem is that people don't disclose when their parents are in prison. But actually double the number of children who have a parent going through divorce every year has a parent in prison. So 200,000 children a year have a parent in prison. Oh, did you just say that twice the number of people... Yeah. Is that right? Double the number of children who have a parent, who have parents getting divorced every year have a parent in prison. So it has massive impact. It, I would say teachers out there almost certainly teach a child with a parent in prison. It would be statistically very improbable they don't teach a child with a parent in prison, and yet they almost certainly don't know about it because families don't disclose it. Um, and families especially don't disclose it if it's a mother going into prison because often the child then goes into care because it's not something they want to kind of open up to. So schools finding ways that parents and families feel safe disclosing that and then finding ways to support that parent inside and keep their relationship with the child going and bring education into it, that, I think, is a real opportunity schools have that they aren't picking up. One more programme which kind of makes me weep when I see it is called Storybook Dads. So that's um, where dads in prison um, can record, they read a storybook to their kids 
um, and they record them reading it like on a CD and then it goes to their kid with, with the recording so their kid can read it along with their dad's voice even though their dad's not at home with them so that they can feel like their dad's reading with them. Um, we like yeah we all know the power of you know of reading especially on on children to have a, a father reading we all know that that's particularly powerful so to for fathers to be able to have that impact on their children even when they're locked up inside um, is really powerful yeah. I think that more general connection to education is really powerful it definitely got me I think it was an example in the coach review of the uh, prison officer who had encouraged a prisoner to pursue maths GCSE at the same rate as his oh, no, daughter. The, the ones that, yeah, it was, yeah. Ones were, so it was just a way for him to connect, so studying mm-hmm. the maths GCSE. So they had something to talk about, mm-hmm. which just gave them a common ground. So I just thought it was really exciting, and the prison officer was supporting mm-hmm. him as he went through that. Yeah. yeah. So it's wonderful, actually. Really, really important, like, finding those connections. And yeah. Nice. And our officers, you know, one of the really good ways to kind of build a relationship is to ask, to learn about someone's family, to care about them and then see them on visits, you know, and you get to see, you know, and afterwards kind of say, how was that visit? And, um, you know, people care deeply about their families in prison. In fact, people who see their families in prison, the more they see them, the less likely they are to reoffend. So the more a prison officer can do to try and make sure that their relationship is maintained with their family the better. We met an amazing prison officer when we were doing research for Unlocked who um, was working with a prisoner who had become estranged from her family in prison and part of what he did was help her to write to her mother and they rebuilt their relationship and it gave her access to her child through that. So prison officers can really make a huge impact on that kind of thing, which is so powerful, I think. Yeah, really, really powerful. Where can people find out more about the Lockgrass? So we've got a, a very exciting website. Um, you have actually your website, really. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> it's, um, you know, it's like exciting. Uh, it's got lots of videos as well. Uh, it's uk. Um, you can follow us on Twitter, Unlocked Grads. And register now, we'll be recruiting again from September. Smooth. I mean, yeah, <laughs> we have had quite a few applications from um, teachers and social workers this year who, I think if, if you're the kind of teacher who can, um, who can really get to those kids who no one else can and who can really kind of help them turn things around, um, there are those children in mainstream schools and it's great that kind of you're there doing that I think being able to be in a young offenders institute and help a whole institution full of those children like you know if if, if people have that gift like we're desperate for them to come and help us to right. turn things well, around one question that's kind of going to split to be two is <laughs> one so first of all um what would your number one policy ask be related to prisons um that's a good question I think it would probably be about training. So um, what I would love to see is a um, professional framework where they have... Um, so at the moment you have initial training and then there's there's not very much on-the-job training. And I think for me I'd have much more on-the-job training. So much more focus on that first year of being a prison officer and getting a lot of... The kind of model that we have where we, you know, we have a full two years actually of training but our first year is intensive on the job training I'd want that for all prison officers and my second question which is kind of related to that so our number one ask but when we were first talking um, you thought that education was the answer so education in prisons was the issue and then you realised actually it wasn't that um, what would your kind of uh, what could educationalists or companies or tech or whatever who are interested in education what could they do that would make education in prisons or aid 
that being more effective and better? Yeah, I think education is the solution. Sorry, I still do. I still think it. I just, I think, I think education, classroom education is a long way into the journey of education. I think that's, that's been my real learning from prison, that there's so much that comes before someone can sit in a classroom and learn. And actually being able to look someone in the eye and say good morning is, is like comes further back in that journey. But equally, um, so, so I think there's some really interesting educational opportunities around how to deal with conflict. We recently went to Denmark and there was a, a um, children's prison there which holds children on remand, but for short sentences of about, um, the, the average length of sentence I think was about five weeks. And they said, you can't, you shouldn't be building attachments in that time. The last thing that child needs is another broken attachment after that kind of five week period. What they, so they thought, what can we do in those five weeks? And they built these kind of pillars of what they did. So one of them is physical activity. We can make someone physically weller in five weeks. We can get them fitter. We can, you know, but one of their other ones is conflict. So they create, they put, instead of separating gangs, which some prisons do, they put all the gang leaders together and they force them to get on. And when they and they encourage conflict so they can sort it out in a safe environment, because otherwise when they go back on the street, it will just happen again and get them back in. So I think that's quite an interesting education opportunity. Sure. I think on the other end, prisons, you know, there's there's a lot of basic English and maths. There's very little kind of really exciting, I don't know, like Renaissance history. You know, there's I think like things that bring that or the arts as well you know there's there's a real focus on skills and basic English and math skills and actually you know of course that's super important and has its place but um yeah I think there's a real opportunity for um for really exciting academic pursuits thank you um I'm going to stop recording now thank you very much for your time ladies hey people I love making this podcast if you enjoy listening to it as much as we enjoy making it there's a few things that you can do. One, subscribe. Press the subscribe button on iTunes or wherever you listen to it. Two, share. Share this episode with somebody who you know will find it interesting or is affected by the specific issues covered. Three, review. Write a review or leave a comment. Also feel free to contact us via the links on the show notes. Thanks a lot. Bye.